Have you ever heard of COIL? COIL, which stands for Collaborative Online International Learning, is an initiative supported by the Office of Vice Provost for Global Affairs to offer a different kind of teaching and learning experience to professors and their students by connecting their course with a global partner university. In the Department of Romance Studies, there have been three professors who applied for COIL and successfully reaped the benefits of cultural exchange with their students. In the ROMS podcast, a space where we give a more intimate look into our community, our professors and students, and to all our experiences and stories that happen here at ROMS, we communicated with two professors, Professor Lorna Aviles and Professor Dorothea Heisch, so that they can share their experiences with our listeners and invite other professors to participate in this wonderful opportunity. Professor Aviles taught Spanish for professional and community engagement with COIL in spring of 2021 one semester after COIL started in UNC. And now she is a COIL faculty fellow. Professor Heisch taught globalization in the French-speaking world in fall of 2022. My name is Carol and welcome to another ROMS podcast episode. And now let's get an inside look into these professors' COIL experiences. Professor Aviles mentioned that COIL starts by thinking about what you want to do. In the class and with a basic idea, you can apply for the program in the UNC Global website. Professor Heisch explained the process step by step. Uh, it has uh, a form uh, that's available to everyone. Um, it's a straightforward form and um, you can apply both in fall and spring for the coming semester or for in a year. So you have several options there. Um, and uh, you just need to know uh, your project. Uh, you have to have a brief project description. You need to have a COIL partner. You need to have an idea of uh, the activities you're going to do with the students. And uh, then you have the option of asking for a graduate fellow um, who can help, uh, given that some of the COIL classes may be very large or that uh, the um, numbers are uh, pretty divergent. Now, after you submit the application with a basic idea, the Office of the Vice Provost for Global Affairs will help you develop your thoughts more after that. According to Professor Aviles, the office can help you find partners if you don't have one. Also, before you apply for COIL, you can contact one of the COIL faculty fellows, such as Professor Aviles. Professor High shared her experience regarding the help she received from Professor Aviles and also from the Office of the Vice Provost for Global Affairs. One of the helpers was uh, my colleague, um, Lorna Aviles, um, who was uh, very kind in sharing her experience and some of the activities she had done with uh, one of her classes. Um, another point person was uh, Emmy Grace in the op Office of Global Affairs, uh, who helped with uh, vetting some of the activities. It was very helpful to talk to someone who had already done this, um, so, because it's really new if you have never engaged in COIL. It's, uh, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. And so it was very, very helpful to have uh, um, uh, Luana here and to uh, have her um, be encouraging and uh, knowledgeable about what could be done. Um, and COIL is like a lot of things. It's, it's pretty much like, just do it, you know, uh, do it and then figure it out as you go along. Um, it's, uh, while, while you're figuring it out, um, it's, uh, um, difficult because uh, you are, uh, sort of 
you're basically swimming. There's nothing you can refer to, and you just gotta go. You you gotta go and run with it. Um, but once you do, um, and if you accept this for uh, six or eight weeks, um, then it's actually quite interesting, and it's it's quite quite fun. Um, so um, yeah, so the the collaboration uh, really consisted in. Uh, um, uh, her sharing her experience and that was uh, very valuable. Uh, there are a lot of sample uh, projects, there are sample uh, summaries, um, uh, all of that's collected on the COIL website that is sponsored by the Office of Global Affairs. According to Professor Aviles, those materials have been prepared by COIL faculty fellows and also gathered for almost 20 years by several universities involved in COIL. In addition, the Office of the Vice Provost for Global Affairs offers an extensive list of universities and partners that are um, that are wanting to do COIL and have specific professors. There's a huge list. If, if there's a topic area that you want to do, there's a, you know we can easily help you find somebody to work with. Professor Aviles and Professor Heisch found their partner university without any problems since San Francisco University in Ecuador and the University of Montpellier in France had already had an intimate relationship with our department. However, there could be some challenges in finding the partner institution and or a colleague who is willing to help start the journey with you. I had to approach five different colleagues in Montpellier before someone finally said yes. Um, and uh, so uh, it took a while. And while you are uh, searching for the colleague, you always have to start out uh, anew because very few people have done COIL so far. And so you uh, come with the project and you come with the um, activities and then you discuss, well, uh, what's involved and how long is that going to last uh, in a given semester and how are we going to connect the courses? Both Professor Heisch and Professor Aviles emphasized important aspects that professors interested in creating COIL courses should have in mind from their planning process, namely the hybrid nature, the possible difference in time zone, as well as internet accessibility in other countries. Professor Heisch, for example, was faced with the time difference between Chapel Hill and Montpellier in the south of France, an issue that she needed to account for when scheduling COIL modules so that both student groups are able to communicate in a synchronous way. In the case of Professor Aviles, the internet connection was the biggest concern to be resolved. And she encouraged the students to use any kind of communication methods that worked for them, including, but not limited to WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and other programmed asynchronous activities. One of our biggest considerations really is access to reliable internet because we assume that everybody has that, but not everybody has that across the world. And in Ecuador, that was definitely a, an issue. So what I did is I did not specify to my students what they had to use to chat. So they had the flexibility. If Zoom worked, then great. But a lot of them actually use WhatsApp, the video feature on WhatsApp. Some of them actually use uh, Facebook Messenger. I kind of left it up to them to see what would work better for the situation for each person. And, and that was... Uh, it worked out really well because, it, again, I, my groups used everything and, and it just depended on what what was available for them. Um, another thing that was interesting about my course that's a little bit different than some is that I did an asynchronous instead of asynchronous, asynchronous uh, coil because the class that I was coiling with was at a completely different time than ours. And also a lot of the students in that class were non-traditional students, so little, adults 
with jobs and things like that. So it became apparent very early during the planning process that for us being synchronous was not going to work. So what I would do is instead of um, assigning specific days and times, I give the students a little bit more time. So I would say you have a week to meet. And then I would give them explicit activities for the week, whatever it was. And then by the end of the week, they had to complete a reflection journal. And obviously, whatever other assignment that they had showing that they had met with their, their partners abroad. And that worked out really well for me as well. After their first experience, Professor Aviles and Professor Heisch agreed that their efforts were well worth the outcome. And they are planning another course with a COIL project. According to them, the connectivity, which was at first a challenge to overcome, became one of the most beneficial parts of COIL, since students can get an international experience without actually studying abroad and without paying quite the same amount of money. COIL has been one of the tools that we uh, were using to bridge that gap between the students that can do things and the ones that cannot. Um, obviously, for financial reasons or work or whatever situation, many of our students just can't go abroad for a month or a semester. And COIL still enables them to have the cultural exchange, the cultural experience from here. Professor Aviles also added that our students who learn Spanish and try to practice in different volunteer opportunities could have invaluable exchanges in courses with COIL. Actually having to use that in a very explicit way and, and for, for not only a social exchange, but also to, to create a project and work on something together. That's just an experience that they'll, they'll usually don't get, but that they'll treasure for the rest of their lives. And just, you know, actual practice beyond the constraints of a classroom. As much as we have conversations on different topics, it's not the same about us talking about your house or like what you cooked yesterday or, or things like that. So it's a very practical practice for the students. Professor Heisch believes that this cultural exchange stimulates or invites the American students to engage with a foreign language. And she pointed out that COIL opens up an opportunity that she had never imagined before. To realize that this is possible, to link two classes that at first glance have nothing to do with each other, that are in two different places of the world, that uh, whose students communicate in two different languages. Um, and then to just see that with some thought and creativity, you can actually connect these groups. and. Uh, even if the numbers don't match. So even if uh, uh, the number over there is twice or three times as large as over here. So that all works. It all can be done. In a similar sense, Professor Aviles mentioned that is strictly communicative. I mean, you do have obviously an end result with a paper or whatever your project ends up being. Um, but really, I would tell you a COIL component can work anywhere from elementary Spanish to advanced Spanish depending on how it's designed because again it is about communication it is about engagement so depending on what and how and what type of activities you decide to have your students do it really can work for anybody and again that flexibility it's what makes it so great <laughs> um you know it, it, a lot of people think that the alignment or the, the coordination between the two classes has to be the one for one like you have to have a lit course coil with a lit course and as you've seen that's not the case we have many instances where we have really seemingly non-related areas working on the same topic from different viewpoints together so again it's pretty much options are endless <laughs> which it's the exciting thing about it professor heish and professor lorna also shared one anecdote that they found interesting it shows exactly the kind of experience that students can acquire in coil courses 
So we did some engage in some cultural comparison. That was also a huge gain, I think. Um, and then, then just the fun of the sheer fun of communicating. Um, and uh, and then uh, we had a little research project um, at the end um, that had to do with uh, defining uh, what's called francophonie. So. Uh, is the term denoting French-speaking areas or regions in the world, but it's a very large term and a very loaded term. And so we asked the uh, French students who are all training to become instructors. They're all going to teach French as a second language in their region of origin. Um, many of uh, them actually came from all over the French-speaking world. So not most of them didn't come, are not from Montpellier, but many of them grew up in other areas of the French-speaking world. And so we asked them to uh, um, help us define francophonie um, in in their terms and from from their perspective. And then we sort of added that the results um, of this. Uh, uh, these these definitions to our own uh, readings and so we connected um, our own readings that are all from the francophone world with what the French students had given us as their vision and their definition of what the francophone world in the term of francophonie means to them and how they're going to um, teach that to their own students in the future. The project for my class or cultural projects in the sense so and all the groups had different topics so for example one group uh, was about indigenous populations so they got to see and actually talk to ecuadorians about their perceptions of indigenous populations um, how they're treated in in the country how language is perceived and used and not used so it was interesting to see those type of um comparisons that that you know you never get by just researching something they, they actually got to study that subject and then ask questions about it and, and see what their findings were um, and the ecuadorian students in their class they were working on different um, types of papers which were very cultural as well so that that worked out really well because the topics were overlapping enough that they were able to put a project together it was great after listening to Professor Heisch and Professor Aviles' wonderful experiences with COIL, we asked them for some advice for our listeners who now would want to use this great tool the university has to offer. First of all, to consider it because it really is a great tool. Um, the second thing I would say is just think of what you're doing in class and how think of how a COIL component could augment one of your objectives in the course. Um, I think just that alignment is it's really the first step. And then after that, finding a partner. Um, the biggest thing is just, yeah, it, it's not hard to engage the students. It's, it's harder to find a way for COIL to, to engage the course. But if you think about it, you know, we all do different things in class. We all talk about different topics. It's like, I'm sure you can take one of those topics and modify it and make it into a COIL project of some sort. She also invited the instructors to reach out to the office, reach out to one of the fellows and, and just have a meeting. And if you're thinking about it, just throw out some ideas. We all have experience. We've seen a lot of different types of programs, so we can, you know, guide you in the, in the path to, to figuring this out. So one piece of advice is do it. It's a worthwhile experience. Second piece of advice is it works really well with larger courses. Um, 
and it's a it's an investment it's a financial investment and it's an intellectual and an energy investment and so it's really worthwhile for larger courses um, that are that I would say can sort of our first semester or first year or second year courses so foundational courses um, where students sort of get exposed to the possibilities that the universities has to offer them. Uh, that, that's from my perspective. I could also imagine that research classes would benefit from this. Um, but uh, my experience here in ROMS uh, has shown me that it's really valuable for um, sort of beginning level first, second year uh, classes and cohorts um, as they uh, get to know each other really well through COIL and then they uh, learn how to make connections uh, abroad and uh, I think the earlier they get exposed to that the better it is for them and so uh, um, I think it's a wonderful a wonderful opportunity I had a number of uh, first semester students um, who had just from come from college and they were gushing over it. They said, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done. This is the most unusual thing I ever done. Or my mother went to UNC and studied in Montpellier. And so now I'm doing the coil with Montpellier and my mother is so excited about it. Um, so I have to tell her about it. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, the students really, really took to it. She also added the importance of the instructor's familiarity with the course materials to be engaged in COIL. It does require a class that runs smooth, smoothly. You need to know your own class really well. And so it had helped that I had taught my own class several times and that she has taught her class on intercultural communication many times over. So these were two very well uh, developed classes. and. Uh, uh, so therefore, for both of us, it was pretty clear pretty quickly how and when and in what way um, the two groups could potentially connect and then have some meaningful uh, exchange. With this helpful guidance, we finish our COIL episode of the Rings podcast, a unique opportunity for professors and their students. The Office of Vice Provost for Global Affairs and COIL Faculty Fellows are always open to your interests and inquiries. Now it is your time to get involved in this wonderful adventure. This episode was written and produced by Jean-Wan Kim, aka Javier Ludovico, one of our PhD students in Spanish and intern for the ROMS podcast. The sound design is by Javier. Editing by Caro Register and Paula Cadena. Hosting also done by Caro and music by Mike Forstel. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or whatever your preferred app may be. That way, you'll know when our next episode is released. Adios, ciao, au revoir, adios, and we will see you next time.